You know, what do y'all think about if when your boss doesn't want you to call him boss? Would y'all have a problem with that? What does he want you to call him? I don't know. It was just, it's, uh, it, and so my question was, so do we not celebrate him on Boss's Day then? <laughs> I employ you don't celebrate me on Boss Day. But do they call you boss? No. But you pay them? Yeah. And they don't celebrate you on Boss's Day? Why would they? Because you're their boss. boss? I never celebrated. That's Honestly, that's the dumbest (laughs) holiday I've ever heard in my life. Dumbest day? Dumbest? You you don't think Flag Day is a dumb day? Why, why would you celebrate your boss for? Well, if they a good boss. If they're a good boss, you would. <laughs> right. I mean, why wouldn't you celebrate a good boss? Show thankfulness or gratitude towards that individual. Okay. If, I mean, um, if they, they manage well, they don't micromanage, you know, they, that's they're them. fair. And, and and just in all aspects when you have several employees you know that's them, a... that's them doing their job and getting paid for it right but you know the same as like but administrative professionals day, day. administrative professionals day administrative professionals but day. you need a day i don't think bosses created the day Calvin. I don't think they, they didn't create. I don't think it, they right? created the day. I didn't say yeah. that they created it. It's just I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around a day to celebrate someone for doing something that they are supposed to be doing anyway. Hey, but they they kept they kept the 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 job open. I mean, they kept you employed by doing their job. Hey. You're right. You're right. That's what they were hired to do. Welcome to the Faith, Fun, and Motivation Podcast, where we desire to bring hope through faith while healing through fun and living, laughing, and loving daily, and inspiration through holistically motivating our listeners to love themselves and others to the glory of God. Thanks for tuning in. There's also a reverse of that. There are horrible bosses. There are right. really horrible bosses. I mean, I, I, went and had, I went and had dinner tonight. I didn't feel the need to go and have a day and celebrate the waitress or the cook just because they brought me my food. That there's was expected. Not a, there's, not, there's not a day for that, but, but there's a day for you tip them if they do a more than exceptional job, right? That's right. I mean, yeah, they're, right. they're paid to bring you your food and your drink. But if they go above and beyond in doing that and make you feel as though you are special and they take care of your needs, do you not tip them based on that? Yeah. Okay. So same thing. Sure, your job is supposed, I mean, your boss is supposed to be fiscally minded and a great steward of the resources, including the people resources 
as well right. as the raw materials and things like that. But if they go above and beyond as your boss, don't you think, I mean, they're managing, you're not managing a, a, a staff of people, a boss is. So when they show special care for that group of people, you don't think that the, that group of people should gather together to say, thank you? Well done. Bosses give raises and they don't, they don't necessarily have to. They could, you know, keep all that money and say, well, I'm going to keep it to myself and give myself a bump up, you know? The, I mean, really, Calvin? October 16th is, is, is National Bosses Day. I it, wish it, my it's staff been, would come in there and try to celebrate Boss Day they would be unemployed. They probably scared of you. That's that's probably why they wouldn't. Wish they would. What? Saturday, October 16th. So most people will celebrate it. Friday the 15th. Bosses Day. Do you get a day off for it? Is it a national holiday? It is a national bosses day. Yes, it that's, is. But it's not it's wackish. not it's, that's it's, wack as all yeah. Um, I never understood. It's that. it's not a federal holiday. It is a holiday observed annually on October 16th in the US. It is a day dedicated to all employers. So, you know what? Your staff should be celebrating you for keeping them no. gainfully employed? No. I do my job. They do theirs. We go home. And, well. and it says it is a time for employees to appreciate their bosses and thank them for being kind and fair throughout the year. This day was created for the purpose of strengthening the relationships between employers and employees. That's the dumbest shit I ever heard. Welcome to Faith, Fun, and Motivation. Wow. crap. Okay. So, to, I mean, listen. This is episode nine. We are inching our way towards the finish line of season two. And what a great topic and what a good intro to talking about celebrating your bosses in the sense of now turning a corner to have a conversation about our expectations of our spiritual leaders you may call them a pastor you may call them a priest you may call them bishop there are a lot of different terms but let me just read to you really what a pastor is by definition the the root word of a pastor is basically a shepherd one who is tasked to care for uh, a, a group, a flock, 
um, a congregation of people. Um, you can look into the scriptures as, as early as Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah would say um, in Jeremiah chapter three, saying that uh, this is the Lord talking through Jeremiah that I will give you um, pastors after my own heart. So it's the Lord that provides a pastor for you. Ephesians 4 and 11 says that, so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to the body. And so knowing that in the Bible is, I mean, just filled with examples of shepherds, good and bad, and knowing this, when we enter into a space or place of worship, that we all have an expectation of what we believe or think or know is a good pastor. So let's start there. We've always, all of us have, all, have talked about, you know, we, we have been brought up in the church or we attend a church, or in my case, you work at a church. But when you think about your experience talk about some good pastors what what made a good pastor to you what qualities i think what makes a good pastor to me is someone that has the um capability of connecting with their members hmm. all right um i don't i don't think that we look for somebody that's going to sugarcoat or soft coat you know religion somebody that's real that's had you know real experiences real growth to where to where they are Okay. What about you, Cal? Um, I don't. I, that's going to be a hard question to necessarily pin down to words. Um, the Bible say that you know He created this pastor and sent somebody after His own heart. I know that every pastor, I'm every pastor, is not meant for everybody. Right. So that's just what it is. I mean, I think some people may end up in the wrong church or the that other pastor may end up in the wrong place, but if that pastor is truly sick, he's going to be customized for that flock. Right. And so I can't see it here and say, okay, well, this is what makes a great pastor. I'm going off my feelings and what I may need. Yeah. And what I may need may not be what someone else That's does. Someone else needs, yeah. So it's to pinpoint that question. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not a great question, but to pinpoint it down to a list is going to be a very loaded question just because everybody, I mean, every pastor is not meant for everybody. Um, I mean, walking, I've been into churches where this pastor is teaching one thing and I'm sitting here like, what the hell? And then I can go into another church or go to my church and I'm listening to the pastor and I'm like, 
this is everything I needed to hear. And then the brother next to me is like, what are he preaching that on for? So it's kind of <laughs> hard to pinpoint. I mean, but it's true. It is. You know, it that, is. that pastor's not meant for every single body. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint to say, okay, what, you know, what makes a great one? Because I'm going to describe the one that I need. Yeah, it's going to be a personal, It's. I think it's going to be a personal perception. It's because everybody's going to look for what they need at that time that's going to bring them closer to God. Okay. As, so as let me ask you this. Go ahead. Let me ask you this. Coming from someone who is a pastor, pastor, what are things that you see that people may expect from you that may be okay to expect from a pastor or maybe, hey, you expecting too much or this is not in my job description or, hey, just shut up and sit down. Oh, man, you talk about loaded. When you say not in your job description, you know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm old school and I was trained old school. And so for me, I, I really find it difficult to say to, if you were one of my um, congregants, it, it's hard for me to tell you that's not in my job description um, because I came from a startup church. And so you did everything that was needed. And, and so you learned how to do a, a, a lot of different things because you, there are seasons and I mean, we don't, we don't have to go into great depths, but think about the fact that we are still somewhat in or, or, or making our way through a pandemic. And so when you don't have people in the church because they're at home, what is it that as a pastor, are you really going to say you not going to do? I mean, nobody else is gonna do it. And if you are the shepherd, the one tasked to actually take care of not just the people being the church, but also the building too. I mean, it sometimes is left up to you. You, I mean, I, I'm not beneath picking up programs from under a seat. I'm not beneath changing the, the, uh, the, the soap dispensers in the bathroom. I mean, sure, we, we have people contracted to do that. But if I go into the bathroom and I go to wash my hands and the soap has, is out, I'm not too proud to go look in the utility closet and grab the thing and put the thing in the dispenser and, and get my hands clean. Um, I think what happens, Calvin, to, to make sure I don't um, skirt your question, I think sometimes people put pastors on pedestals and, and it's not all the time that these men and women of God want the pedestal, but I think sometimes people want to put them there because it makes them feel not necessarily better about themselves, but now I'm going to hold you accountable. So I need Calvin, I need Pastor Calvin to literally live a life that is sinless. And if he does something that I question, if I catch him pulling up out the liquor store or he has a brown bag in his front car, in front seat of his car, or he slip and say something, oh, now I, I, get, to, I get to talk about, hey, past, pastor's doing this. 
and they fail to remember that before this person was a pastor, they were a human sinful being, and they still are a human sinful being, even as a pastor. What you hope, though, is that your pastor models what it looks like to stumble to the cross. Good point. I mean, me personally, when I, if, if I was, in, if, if I was walking into the church, if I wasn't in the position that I was in, here's what I would look for. I look for some of the things that Erica said. I want to look for a person that is connected to the body, because if you're supposed to be the head and we, we know it's just, we know Christ is the head of the church, but I'm saying if, if, if your pastor is the head of that particular church, he should be connected to that body. If, if he's not, I, I was listening to somebody tonight talking about they were at a church for 15 years, and this is a mega church. And when they met their pastor, he didn't know who they were from a bum on the street. And I, I personally, I have a problem with that. Because there should be opportunity. I mean, 15, Calvin, if we're going to the same place for 15 years, and you've never met me, that's... Now, I... Now, I... I'm not saying you best friends. I'm not saying we're best friends, and I'm not saying that you know my name, but I'm saying that you know my face and that you know I sit three rows up from the back row on the aisle seat. This was a family that was serving. They weren't just attending. So they're part of the people that help church run. They're volunteers or they're volunteer. They're, they're leading small groups and you don't know them. I mean, this goes back to what Erica was talking about with bosses day in the sense that what I try to do, I try to have little events where my leaders, I can sit down and have lunch with them. And how, how are you guys doing? Yeah. How, what can I be you have to establish a connection. You have to know. I, I think it's part of keeping your congregation is knowing knowing your congregation. Right. And and I think if you don't have a connection with them. I think, you know, I think the, the biggest part about that I miss about church is that I was starting to be a morning greeter. And so I didn't necessarily, I've been going to that church for about five, six years now. And I didn't know everybody because here I, the boys would go to Sunday school or the little boys went up to children's church when they were younger. Bryson went to children you know teens church or whatever and i would literally go to church hear the word hide pick the boys get in my car go home but now it you know i was wanting more i was wanting more out of my church and in order for me to get more out of it i had to engage more i had to give of myself more to get more so what y'all saying is maybe make a church assembly what exist? Absolutely not. No. I was I was a part of a mega church. We had three campuses. What what I'm saying is 
if 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 you're the type of church that would classify you, and and in case you didn't know, a mega church is a church above 800. That is what is considered a mega church. Is is more than 800? More than 800 people. That's considered a mega they church. They come every it, Sunday. Eight. Or just yes. your member roster is over 800. over 800 because here's what the average church size in America, the average church size in America is 75 people. Hmm. Hmm. And so when you think about 800, that's a lot more than 75 people. And so that's considered a mega church, a, a medium sized church would be right around the 225, 300. So this person, I guess who, I didn't think we were a mega church. I mean, we're a you may not think of yourself as, the, but when you think about, I mean, just again, the average American church is seventy-five people. I mean, our church grew. We used to be in a small building, and it grew. We had to get a bigger building. Yeah, but a mega church is north of eight hundred. And so I'm not against mega churches. What I am against is poor, um, poor management, which goes back to Erica, of a church that size. All right. So this person who never met this pastor in 15 years, what size church are we talking about? The size of the church was roughly about six, 6,500 people. I don't know. I just got questions. I got questions. That's fine. I got I mean, questions. But you know, even they, Moses, even Moses, our show. God, God told Moses that for him to do all the work, it was ridiculous. He would kill himself if he continued to manage the way he was. He was doing everything, and so what he told him to do is to select twelve individuals to handle the people. And when those 12 individuals would have problems, they would come, they would bring the big things to Moses and they would handle the little things. So on the flip side of that, if Moses is connected to those 12 individuals, it should never be that he doesn't know them. And so if you just trickle that down, I mean, if you have 12 leaders and if they have, if each one of those leaders each one of those 12 has three leaders that they're managing. There's 36 people. Tell me why you can't have a luncheon or a banquet with those 36 individuals plus your 12. So now you're up to 48 where you're just sitting down and you're talking once or twice a year as, as the pastor, I'm appreciating my leaders for leading well. And if this couple who has been a part of this church for 15 years has not had something like that. They were leaders. They weren't just showing up on Sunday and then leaving. In 15 years, Calvin, you should have had an interaction with me. Well, the thing about it is a pastor should be a part of every group. If they're, if they're leaders and they're over something, that group has an interaction with the pastor. At some point. At some point. I'm keeping my mouth shut about this topic. 
I am. Some because the reason why I'm gonna say that because something about that just isn't sitting right with me. So for me, and the reason why the reason why I say that is just simply because I don't know the whole entire story. I feel like I don't have all of the details for that. So I don't want to give a answer or respond to it when I'm feeling as if I don't know all of Okay. That's what I'm feeling in my soul. Okay. Because I don't want to come here. I mean, 15 years is a long time. But we're not so bashing. Just, no, we're not bashing uh, mega churches. No, no, we're just. We're just no, I'm not saying that you are. It's just. Yeah. I'm telling you, my soul. I'm. I'm accounting for me. And Calvin, one of the things that you brought up was that about the preaching. So here's something else that I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that is biblically sound and biblically relevant. I'm not looking for the next Creflo Dollar or TD Jakes. I'm looking for somebody that can literally articulate what God's word is saying, what it meant to the people that it was actually written to, and how does that apply for my how does that apply to my life? How can I leave your services and apply what you're going to spend 35 minutes to an hour uh, teaching on? Because if you can't do that, then you need to find somebody that actually can basically exegete God's word. I don't just want you to read it to me and then tell me, okay, it's time for offering. I don't need you hooping and hollering for 30 minutes just to get a rise out of somebody. I need you to teach me because that's what Jesus did. And if we're following his model, he taught his audience what it was that God was expecting from them. Here's one thing that I found in my in my youth, the the church that we grew up in, church that we went to as a family. I I don't I don't know if it's to say that I outgrew it, or I needed something different because I could no longer be in church for three hours and come out and feel like I didn't get anything to feed my soul. I didn't get any clear understanding or reasoning why we were there, but that the offering plate went around twice, um, sang several songs, read every, you know, card and that came into the church. And uh, I mean, I, I needed more and it didn't consist of, three hours of a segment of just sitting there. And when I found my, my church home, I found, you know, a pastor that got right to the point. He can go long-winded if he wanted to, but he had he had an agenda and he stuck to it. And and sometimes he might detour because he, he, he gets caught up in the word. But it was to the point in under two hours. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe that couple that you talk to or the people you talk to who ain't seen they passed in 15 years or had to talk to them, maybe need to listen to this podcast and what I said earlier. 
maybe they at the wrong church. Oh, they right. moved. They moved. Maybe they at the wrong <laughs> church. Because <laughs> the only thing I thought about when, uh, when Erica was talking, I was, I was trying to wait to her finish, for her to finish, is I think a lot of people who go to these mega churches, they have the, the small church mentality and try to take it to these mega churches. It's easy to go that's to possible. a church. It's easy to go, and I can easily, a lot of the churches that's in my area, I'm good friends with some of the pastors. I can walk in, and end of the service, I can walk up to that preacher and literally touch them, talk to them. I got their numbers. We can sit down and have lunch. Um, and then I think a lot of these people, when they move and they go to these mega churches, and you got 6,000, 8,000, 10,000. I'm not saying what they're doing, they're right. But hey, I can't expect to walk into Creflo Dollar Church and you got a 50,000 seat dome and expect me to just walk to the pulpit and be able to touch you and have that same experience and expect you to know me as well as that's a church fair. that I just left that only had 75 people. And that's the church that Grandma them went to. That's the church that Mom and Daddy went to. That's the church that me and my brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews went to. So, okay, Calvin, I, I got a question for you because that's a very valid point. I mean, and, and sometimes the lure of the mega church is that they have more resources and more things. And so you can get somebody that come, mm -hmm. right. You can get somebody that comes from a small church or small community mindset and enter in such a, a, a mega church and think, it's supposed to be like it was at their 75 member church. So tell me, so tell me something. When you, when you walk into a church, you Calvin, when you walk into a church, what is your expectation for the church, not just the pastor based on its size? Because if I walk into a storefront church, I have a different expectation than I do if I walk into the Potter's house down in Dallas, Texas. My expectations? Yeah, what are I your mean, expectations based on when, if you walk into a smaller church versus a larger church? Because there are some things, when you walk into a, a, a mom and pop restaurant, you have a whole different expectation than when you walk into a five-star restaurant with white tablecloths and people walking around with their, with their serving towel on their hand. You're right. My, my whole expectation is this. I mean, when it, for me, when I'm walking to that mom and pop, regular average size, I know that expectation is going to be more intimate. I mean, it just is what it is. It's going to be way more intimate. Even though that large church may have more resources, I need to realize when I'm joining a church, I need to be able to hear from God. I keep referring back to, okay, is this preacher really going to be sent for me? Let's, let's get that out the way. I'm going to keep bringing that into it. Hmm. Maybe I, yeah, I, I can go over here to this large church, have all of the good resources. The band is great. He's giving a great message, but God is this church really for me. Right. Am I going, cause I may benefit more, even though this is a mom and pop type of church, I may benefit more from over here than this large church with all of this glamorous and the big windows and we jump in every Sunday type deep. What is it, God, that I need to be at? Because I've always felt if he told me to go to the poorest place in Africa, 
I will be more happy. If God actually told me to go there, I'm going to be more happy and more successful there right. than I would going to New York City where I know I can make it. Mm-hmm. That's just me. That's true. A lot of people don't think that way, but I just feel like if God told me right now on this podcast, hey, go to Africa to the poorest place, I'm going to go and be well more provided for than I would going to Trump Tower. It just is what it is. So I don't think a lot of people, they, they see the glamour in the large churches, but am I really supposed to be here? Man, you you have said a mouthful. And so people, they, they, they like I said, they see the large church, they see the resources, but they have the expectations of the intimacy of a mom and pop church. Then that's what they jack up in. Did God really see, did you, are you really hearing from God to say, hey, you need to be at Pastor Ray Church? Yeah, they Pastor Ray, they jump in every dog on Sunday. He's getting in the word. He's not a bad preacher. He, he All of his sermons are Bible-based, but do I belong here? Right. It's the biggest question any three of us can really ask. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So tell me something. Um, I, I want to see what you guys think about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, Paul is writing to the people of Corinth and he is saying this. He says, but as it is, God has placed and arranged the limbs, meaning the organs in the body, each particular one of them, just as he wished and saw fit for them. And, and when you when you break down the when you break down really what he is saying, he is saying that God places the members in the body as he sees fit. Paul is using a human body to talk about how God has constructed the church body. And so here's my question for you. If what you say, Calvin, is anything close to true. Shouldn't we spend more time seeking God regarding where we should go and then being obedient to where he sends us and then extremely slow to leave that church irregardless to what happens? You said we need to listen to the Lord. So if according to this verse, he places members in the body as he sees fit. So when Calvin goes to the whatever church he goes to and the Lord speaks to him and says, this is where I want you. Then you should stay there out of obedience. No matter what happens, if the pastor gets up and says, the Lord is calling me away, should Calvin leave that church? Because God didn't call you to that pastor. He called you to that church. Yeah. And so why do we see this crazy culture of people jumping from church to church because of what they want versus what God is trying to get to them? Hmm. Because are you, are, are you really listening? That's the point. People, I, 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 this is this is just Calvin, raw dog, Calvin speak. I don't think a lot of people do that. No, they don't. A, a, a lot of people don't. They, they, they see the big church. This is where I go to church at. 
I'm so humble and happy about it. I'm not saying everybody does that, but I mean, if, if I said it just a minute ago, if God says, hey, you need to go to over here and start a church, there's no way I'm going to be lacking anything. Just because you, if he said you need to be here, that's going to be the, I don't want to say the perfect church, but you're not going to lack from anything. Right. That just is what it is. Hmm. Did you really seek to be in this church? Did he really tell you to be here? Are you just happy because we got 6,500 members? The band is rocking. We got a nice little dome church. Now you sitting here mad because the pastor ain't talked to you in 15 years. Are you really supposed to be here? But I said I wasn't going to talk about that, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. That's that's not this couple, but yes, yes. I'm just saying. Right. I mean, because here's, and I want Erica to chime in on this, because if God is putting his church together, he knows what Erica needs, and whatever church he tells her to go to, it's going to be with other people that are just as broken as she is. And what God is trying to do is to actually grow Erica in order for a seed to actually sprout. It has to be planted in a filthy plot of dirt with worms, insects, and manure even. And as long as Erica stays planted, rooted, we use that word, stays rooted, God's going to water her. He's going to take care of her. And yes, it's going to sometimes be dry. Sometimes it's going to be a deluge of rain. But if she stays committed, God is going to grow her. And so if that's true, do we really have any business church hopping? We don't. We don't. And I think if anybody was going to truly, truly call to God and prayed for God to lead them and direct them, and they were... Just the overall feeling that this is where I needed to be. This is where I'm supposed to be. And it won't be where you're comfortable. And, and no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He's not concerned with your comfortability. He's no. not concerned with your happiness. He's concerned with your holiness. No. Because, I, I mean, it's, it's and I, I'll go back to being a, a greeter. I am a shy person, but I'm a people person. And what better place to have the one that's going to smile the biggest to greet everybody to come in the church as they come in? Amen. I mean, but do we not make it that difficult sometimes? I mean, because I can't help but think that he says that, hey, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. And sometimes we just make things extra difficult when it really ain't that hard. It's, and, and I believe that. But, but, but Calvin, I, I'm not arguing against you. 
Who is it that's making it difficult, though? It ain't him. And that's exactly my point. We, I mean, we, so, pull and so, I mean, we pull the tug constantly at, into what we believe we feel and, and what others tell us we feel or how we should feel. Because, I mean, I don't see why Erica need to have a problem with getting up green. I mean, you ain't shit up this whole podcast since you've been on it. How is that so hard for you to get up here and greet That was a comfort. I had to become, that was me becoming, that was me trying to stay in my comfort zone. I was fine being the one that walked in and says hi and go on to my seat. So you, 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 you uh, basically, Erica, you change from being a consumer to being a contributor. You, you broke up. I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> I said you changed from being a consumer to becoming a contributor. Right. You went from I'm here to get to I'm here to give. Right. That's another thing I want to I want to see from a pastor. I want to see a pastor that is giving. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not talking about how much money he or his wife are giving to the church. I want to see them actively participating in the, the body, the body life. So if there are classes, I want to see you either leading one or participating in one or showing up. The last thing I want is for the only thing for me to ever see from my pastor is them get up and pe- preach on Sunday. That's all. That's all right, all. So, so, so explain this to me. You mm-hmm. gotta, never mind. I'm gonna Come keep on. my mouth shut right now. Come on. So, what about these churches that has these deacons that make it hard for preachers to do that? So, if that pastor is truly the head of that church, then it is upon them to right the wrongs concerning their leadership under them. Deacons, biblically, they are not heads of the church. They are servants to the church. They are there to assist the pastor. Elders are there to cover the pastor. And so if you have some control-hungry deacons, you need to set them biblically straight. If the deacons are running the church, that's a problem. But I understand we have some traditional types of churches where deacons have historically been the biggest culprits of running the church into the ground and forcing the pastor's hand to hold to traditions that Jesus would demolish. Figure that out. Maybe being transparent. An- another problem I don't have. Is out there. So, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's out there. 
so where have you guys seen um calvin just brought this up so i didn't know it was gonna go this direction where have you seen where pastors have been um where pastors have been basically handcuffed to do what they're called to do you know where have you seen where pastors have been handcuffed to do what they're called to do like for instance calvin you talk about deacons i mean there are churches where deacons basically they don't allow the pastor to do what he or she feels the lord is telling or calling them to do I'm not going to sit here and just pinpoint one denomination, but it happens a lot. I mean, one minute usually. Let me keep my mouth shut. Never mind. Never mind. The people are here for it, Calvin. What are you talking about? Never mind. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Never mind. It's what we're here on this podcast. We're just, we're just, you know, we're not. not I got an image to maintain. I'm good. But I got too many fools to watch this podcast, and it's gonna be too many fitness hurt. I'm good. Good. It's gonna be too many damn fitness (laughs) hurt. I got a business to maintain, an image to uphold. I'm part of that first family. Pastor, I, I think you would understand. Yeah, I'm dead. Keep my mouth shut. Keep my mouth shut. Do you guys think the role of a pastor, because of course we're talking about un, unfair expectations of pastors and stuff. Do you think um, the pastor's job is 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 a difficult one and if so why do you think it's difficult like i just said a few moments ago his burden is easy his yoke is light it's not difficult if you are truly sent and called by god can see something being i can't i i just can't I, i can't sit here and see in the bible where it says hey it's his burden is easy, his yoke is light. Just like I said, if he tells you to go over here to the poorest country in America, the poorest country, excuse me, in Africa, and yet you can be that one person that's over there that's never lacking because he sent you there, how is it that you can sit here and say, hey, go preach my word, and yet that be the most difficult thing that you have ever done in your life? I just can't, I've never passed it, but I just can't fathom my mind being that. You really probably need to ask yourself if, if preaching and pastoring is that doggone difficult. Is that what you really called? Was that is that really meant for you? Okay. I'm just saying you ask, they go yes. Yeah. They go yeah. That's one, you know what? That's one thing I'm tired of a bunch of you these punk preachers talking about. I'm gonna go on and say it. It shouldn't be that doggone hard. It shouldn't be, you hear it a lot on anniversaries. When they have these pastoral anniversaries, they talk about how difficult and hard and all this stuff is. And then you can preach that same scripture where I just mentioned about his burden being easy. The two just don't go together. Well, 
context is always important. Context is always important. And so when Jesus actually said those words, he wasn't talking to pastors. So do you think pastoring is really that difficult to help? Calvin, I think uh, managing or helping manage the messes of people's lives is not an easy task. It's not an easy task to do. Is it difficult and hard? In times it is hard. Yes. And so here's what Jesus offers me, Calvin. And this is where you'll understand. Jesus, when he said this, he was saying to those who were weary that if they would come to him, he would give them his rest. And so if Jesus is making that invitation, it is because something actually is difficult and he's calling them to him. As a pastor, the job is not easy. It's not. You're managing broken people. And you are, you, the, the expectation is, and I'm not saying, no, the only people that are putting this expectation on us is not the Lord, it's people. They're expecting the pastor of the church to fix their life. They're expecting pastors to not just preach on Sunday, although they make fun of us and say, that's the only thing we do. But what you know, Calvin, and I know you know this, is that it's a pastor that gets called in the middle of the night when Big Mama gets rushed to the hospital. And the member's expectation is, I'm not saying it's wrong, and I'm not saying it's right, but they're expecting that pastor to show up for that. Mm -hmm. They're also asking the pastor when their marriages are falling apart, hey, we need to meet with you. They're also expecting that pastor to walk on water. In other words, that they live a sinless life, that their marriages are perfect and so are their children. All the while, their marriage and their families are under attack more than theirs are. Because if I can take out the head, then it's easy to take out the body. So going back to the verse that you used, that my yoke is easy and my burdens are light, Jesus is saying, don't take all of this on by yourself, although they dump it on you. So bring it to me so I can give you my type of rest. I sleep flawless because I come to Jesus with whatever the problems of the day are that people bring. It don't mean that when they bring them, it don't belabor me. It does. I hate to see people suffering. And so Calvin, when you have a person, a family that is suffering because the dad is all, he's an alcoholic. The kids are needing their father at home and the mother's doing the best that she can. You can't tell me that your heart doesn't go out for that mom and for those children. Now I understand that I can't be their dad, but that don't mean I cannot still grieve for them. The job, the job is not easy at all. I think it can become easier, but I, 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 I wouldn't dare say that being a pastor is an easy job. Not if you really, I mean, think about this, Calvin, and this is where we started, that pa a pastor is a shepherd. Think about what shepherds did. 
they chased and protected stupid sheep. And they protected them against themselves and predators that was trying to take them out. And so if you flip that to an actual church, people are under attack. And if, if it's my responsibility to protect these people at some level, 75 people are a whole lot easier to manage than 800. Especially if you haven't built a management team. So who do you think invest in that management team? Got a point. Got a point. So I think for us, we need to pray for these men and women of God that are really doing a job that nobody else wants. Right. So I guess Calvin, Erica, Erica, you motivate Calvin. I know you got something funny to say. But that's my, I mean, that's for me. If you ain't never been a pastor, try to be one. Not everybody is called to do that. Not, right? not, not everybody is called to lead in that capacity. It's, it's just not, not a calling that everybody hears. Um, wow. Motivation around expectation. I think I said it, you know, probably before we started recording, you know, um, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're, we're, we are, we are far from perfect. Um, I'm not saying set your expectations exceptionally high when it comes to when you're looking for a new church home, when you're looking for that spiritual guidance. I'm saying be realistic. <laughs> be realistic. Um, you, you'll know what's right for you choose wisely we we don't well actually we do we we get we get a mcdonald's menu of churches and pastors and 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 religion and and on that menu there's only going to be one choice for you choose wisely Don't just go in there and on the first visit, oh, this is it. This is my church home. No, 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 no. Go back a couple times. Go back a couple of Sundays because I know like my pastor doesn't preach every Sunday. He has assistant pastors that preach. So you want to make sure that you're hearing the whole conglomerate of preachers preach at that church. Amen. The whole 
congregation an opportunity. You're going to want to, I mean, there is so much in a church from who sings on what Sunday to, you know, who, who directs the choir to, you know, who's going to be ushering. And there, there is, there's a place that's right for you. Make the right choice for you. That's my motivation. I'm going to contradict that a little bit. We're going to do something a little different, and I'm going to contradict that a little bit. My whole thing is this. God will tell you where you need to be. It's simple as that. If you truly pray about it and actually go like, she, what she, you say, I, I agree with this. You may not be able to get that in the first go around, but if you literally sit down and pray about it, God will tell you where you need to be where you're going to benefit the most from. It's simple as that. That's just how I feel about it. I mean, the God that I serve, perfect, no, cannot make a mistake, and he will tell you exactly where you need to be. Even though your favorite pastor who you see on TV or who can sing just as good as over him, your behind me to be over him with Mr. Jericho, a man. And that's where you're going to benefit the most from. All right, just because all your friends go over here, you got to understand what's going to be best for you and your children and your family. That's all I got for you. I can't tell you where to go. Pastor Ray can't tell you where to go. You got to pray for yourself. So what you it's saying? Time, it's time for it's time for people to stop. You can't. It's, you got to stop living off grandma proud at some point. You really and learn to get a proud through for you your really damn do. self. You really do. I'll say this. So I, I've been I've been blessed to be able to work in the healthcare field for 24 of my years of my life, and I've been pastoring for quite a while. And here's what's been consistent. Everybody's job would be really easy if it wasn't for people. But at the same time, you wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for people. And so whether it's the funeral director, if it's the young lady that is helping you pick out a scent at Bath and Body Works, or if it's a pastor, you need to be praying for them because they're dealing with people that all of them have issues, themselves included. And so rather than load up on trying to figure out what you expect and what they should be doing, how about you hold yourself to a standard of praying for those individuals and don't expect anything from them that you yourself aren't you putting out. So that is the end of episode number nine of Faith, Fun, and Motivation. We thank you for tuning in and we hope that you come back and see us again soon. Peace. Bye-bye.